Hello, I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Coming up after the news, it's Philosophy Talk. Today we'll be discussing the philosophy of time. Oh gosh, John, time is just full of puzzles. For instance, is time real or is it just a human construction of some sort? Well, and what is the present? Uh, if you take away the past and the future, the present's not very big, but we're supposed to live in the present. That's not very easy when it's so small. Yeah, and then there's the question. And I always wonder, where does the present go when it vanishes into the past? And, and where does the future come from? Is it just out there waiting to take its turn as present? I mean, it's just really mind-boggling, really. And and what does freedom have to do with it? Are we really going to decide? Are we going to determine what goes on during the next hour? Or is it already settled? I'll tell you one thing for certain. We're going to have to have a lot of philosophical issues to squeeze into one hour. Philosophy Talk continues after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 FM, KALW, Information Radio for San Francisco. Carrying on conversations that start at Philosophy Corner on Stanford's campus. Yeah, today we're going to talk about time, John. You know, there are lots of philosophical puzzles about time. One of my favorite is the future. You know, I, I, I'm looking forward to the future. But I'm wondering where it comes from. Is it real? Is it just something we imagine? I mean, how does it? The, is the future just out there waiting to become the present? Well, that's 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 a, that is a big puzzle, Ken. I mean, uh, a lot of philosophers have thought that the only way to really make sense of time is to suppose that, in some sense, it's it's not real. It's ideal. It's an illusion. It's it's just a a subjective way that humans or other animals have of dealing with something that's not time at all. Kant and Berkeley and Descartes, they all thought stuff like that. And and I think they were all nuts. I mean, if nuts? <laughs> I mean, if there's anything that's real, it's time. I mean, time is, uh, I can't believe time is a human construction. And, and if it was, what would happen to our sense of freedom? Uh, time is the most basic thing in our concept of what we're doing in life. Oh, uh, you know, I, 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 I think you're kind of maybe right, but there is this problem, this flow of time. You know, where does the future flow from? Where does the present flow to when it gets to be the past? If you look at just each moment of time, nothing kind of distinguishes this moment from that moment from that moment. What makes a moment present? Uh, how does it get to be that? Well, but that's one that's some philosophers say, well, the moment that's present is the moment you're thinking. But then, if there wasn't any thought, would there be no present? Right. So, is it is if there's worlds where there's no life, is there no time in those worlds? I, I can't believe that, but a lot of people do. Yeah, well, why why don't you believe? Why can't you believe? I mean, what's the reason for not believing that? Because here's a reason for believing. Because if there's no time there in the first place, I can't see how oh. having intelligence yeah. or life or consciousness could add it. But you're confused, John. It's not that there's no time there. Maybe time or something correlating to time is out there, but the flow of time is just a human perception. I mean, if there weren't any, uh, if there weren't any perceivers around, there wouldn't be the flow of time. Time might be real, but it wouldn't be flowing. Like the space-time continuum in physics is just out there and real and independent of us. Yeah, right? yeah, he's trying to say that kind of gibberish, but, uh, uh, and, and get paid for it. <laughs> but can that can that be right? I mean, suppose you have a motion picture laid out on the floor, and you say, well, you know, uh, uh, the scenes move from scene to scene, but they don't move from scene to scene until you put them in a camera in time and flash them on the screen. So I just don't see how adding 
to the calendar a bunch of notations that yeah. says Perry is conscious of this day today and this day, this day, and this day. Gives us uh, any time. I hope hard. I've cleared that up no, for you, you, Ken. No, you actually confused me. This is hard stuff, you know. Uh, I mean, because one of the things we think is uh, in, in science fiction movies is that we can travel back and forth in time, right? So that means the flow is kind of like relative or illusory or something because all this time is out there. We can just kind of hop around in it. And, uh, you know, our roving philosophical reporter, Amy Standen, went out and she examined some classic science fiction time travel stories. Did she travel through time herself? No, but she uh, looked at 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 least two (laughs) movies that talk about time travel. She files uh, this report. This is October, right? April. What year is this? What year do you think it is? 1996. That's the future, James. Do you think you're living in the future? In the 1995 movie 12 Monkeys, Bruce Willis, playing a character named James Cole, gets sent back in time from the year 2025 into the past to obtain biological samples which might help remedy a future disaster. 1996 is the past. No, 1996 is the future. This is 1990. James knows the future. He knows that in just a short time, a deadly virus will kill millions of people, destroying the surface of the planet, but there's nothing he can do about it. Twelve Monkeys is a story that characters are desperately trying to change things. I mean, they know, in a sense, what the future is going to be, and they're trying to prevent it from coming into being. And everything they do to try to prevent it turns out to be required to enable it to come into being. Doug Williams is a film critic in Oakland, California. And that's not really a happy story. Um... We expect that we do have free will. We don't want to be told that we don't have free will. You see various expressions of this sort of Calvinistic idea in a lot of time travel movies. that There's an inability to escape from the fate that one is in. Twelve Monkeys and the 1962 French short film it's based on, La Jetée, are bleak stories. When the past, present, and future are fixed and one-dimensional, there's nothing a character can do to change his own destiny. Come here! I'll show you how it works. Compare that take on time travel to this one. First, you turn the time circuits on. (laughs) This readout tells you where you're going. This one tells you where you are. This one tells you where you were. You input your destination time on this keypad. Say you want to see the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Or witness the birth of Christ. In Back to the Future, the 1985 movie starring Michael J. Fox, Marty McFly goes back in time and makes one big Freudian mistake. He interrupts his own parents' courtship. Marty, have you interacted with anybody else today besides me? I'm... Yeah, well, I might have sort of bumped into my parents. Great Scott! To a certain extent, this movie is an example of what the philosophers call branching time. In that paradigm, there are an infinite number of futures, all in existence, all the time. At every point of the present, we get to decide which direction our future will take. And if you're lucky enough to time travel, you can actually go back and pick another branch. Let me see that photograph again of your brother. Just as I thought. This proves my theory. Look at your brother. His head's gone. It's like it's it's been erased. Erased existence. You have a character going back into the past, in a sense, to uh, become a progenitor of the future, quite literally. Um, so with Marty McFly, he, his future, his presence is dependent on an event in the past, and to the extent that that past is escaping from him, he is fading away in front of us. It's a visual way of presenting this more abstract idea that he, he is, in a sense, going out of existence. 
Few movies stay true to their own philosophical logic. If Back to the Future was really a movie about branching time, Marty and his siblings would never fade out of existence. They'd always be in the photograph, proof of one of the millions of directions time could have taken. Still, as Doug Williams points out, there is not much logic to demanding philosophical logic from time travel movies. To the extent that any sort of concept of time travel is even available in theory, it's very fuzzy, and we may be entirely wrong about it. So I'm willing to suspend disbelief there and, and let them do anything they want to do as long as it uh, helps to make visual the meaning of the story. For Philosophy Talk, this is Amy Standen. Want to hear more? You can hear the rest of the program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or, for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.